three weeks, we'll be focusing in on the John 21 passage of Scripture. We're going to look at the latter event in the next three weeks. But this week, I want to see the event that happened in Luke 5, the event that started this. And I want us to build from there. Now, you'll remember that, uh, and I'm sure you know this, that the two most common ways that people catch fish are with a net and with a rod and a reel and a hook and a line. That's kind of, that's, those are the most common ways to catch fish. The net was the way that Peter was fishing that day and had fished all night long. It is how the fishermen fished in those days on the lakes. And the net, the idea of a net is to cast a net out where fish will be coming by and to draw it quickly to capture them inside of the net. And it is a, it is intended to catch more than one fish at a time, right? It's intended to catch a mass of fish. And so that's exactly the type and the method that the, the uh, disciples had used all night long. They had fished here in Luke chapter five. They knew they did this for a living. They knew that there were fish in the lake. They knew about where the fish would be and about what time it was good to fish. And often this whole idea of fishing all night, that's, that was a good time for the fishermen to catch the, the, the fish. They would school together at nighttime often. And so they knew what they were doing. They knew where the fish were. But that method that they used was one that was very, very common. Jesus spoke to Peter about becoming a fisher of men. I'm going to look at that because there were two methods that Jesus modeled here, right here in front of Peter to show two key ways that we are to catch people for his glory. And if you'll bear with me, you'll see it again. The nets catch masses. And when we go fishing with a line and a hook and and uh, a rod and a reel, we're catching one fish at a time. That's how we catch our fish. Most of us. Now, again, those are the two primary methods. I know some of you could come right up to me and say, well, there's other methods and start naming them. And I know there are. But these are the two that we're looking at in the scripture. And these are the two that Jesus modeled. And you're saying, how is that possible? How did he do so? Well, let's first look at the catch. Let's just look at that and and see how Jesus modeled two methods of bringing people, of catching people. Because he said, you're going to fish for men now. I'm changing your purpose, Peter. And now you're going to go from catching fish to catching men. And he, he showed both of the methods there. The Bible tells us that large crowds... At this point in Jesus' ministry, early in his minister ministry, large crowds would gather to hear him. On this particular day, here in Luke chapter 5, Jesus had such a large crowd gathering around him that he finally looked and he saw a boat. And he said, to keep from being kind of overwhelmed by the people... And to put a little distance between me and them so that they can hear me clearly, I'm going to climb into Simon's boat here and I'm going to have him put the boat out just a little ways from the shore. The people could gather along the shoreline and Jesus taught them the word of God. 
Let me say that this is a method that is still used today. It's not very much unlike what we do today. That we ask for crowds to come around. And that's the net method, if you will. We try to have events where we draw crowds of people. And our hope is to be able to present the word of God to a mass of people. And hopefully, when we draw the net, if you will, when we make an invitation for someone to know Christ, hopefully some people will come in and they will find the Lord Jesus Christ. That is a method that is still being used today by churches. And by the way, a perfectly acceptable method for us to try to bring people to do a cooperative thing and try to introduce people to Jesus Christ. It is a wonderful way to bring people to know the Lord God. And the Lord Jesus modeled it right there in front of Peter. He did the very thing that I'm talking to you about. This method is still good. Honestly, if you are going to let me stay around here and you voted to do it and you now you're going to have to throw me out. So honestly, as your pastor, I'm always going to look for a way to expand the reach of our nets. I want us to be able to reach more people. And that's why we talk about doing events where we invite people who aren't church, don't go to church. So that I have an opportunity to look people in the eye and tell them about the wonders of Jesus Christ. And what he can do and what he has done and what he wants to do for us. And so I will always be a pastor that is looking for a way that we will expand the ability that we have to bring people to know the Lord. And I don't think the day has yet come when this method is out of date. But the other approach that Jesus employed for catching people is what I'm going to call the hook method or the line hook and line method. One person at a time. Follow the way that Jesus ministered to people. And again, you will see when he is ministering to masses of people and crowds all at once. But you will see many instances in the scripture where Jesus dealt with an individual, one person at a time. One of my favorite stories is when Jesus looked into the eyes of his disciples and shocked them one day and said, yeah, today we have to leave here and we have to go to Samaria. And his disciples did not like Samaria because there was prejudice in those days. Imagine that. People were prejudiced back then. Jewish people did not like Samaritans because they were, quote, half-breeds. They were somewhat Jewish, and then they had other races of people intermixed in them. And the Jews felt like that they were less than people. And they would equate them with dogs. And they did not want to be in Samaria because that's where those people over there lived. They didn't want to have anything to do with those mixed race people. And so for Jewish people to hear, let's go to Samaria, was a little bit rough for them. But, of course, they were followers of Jesus. And he said these words, we must go to Samaria today. And they went into a, a, a village called Sychar. And there at a well, Jesus found his way to that well because he knew one lady would be making her way to that well. One broken lady. And Jesus spent time with her and he ministered to her and he went to Samaria for one. I need to just camp on this for just a second. Some of you came because a net was thrown out and you were part of a a mass and you were somewhere along somewhere, someplace where groups of people were were hearing the word of God. You were in a church, you were in a crusade, you were in some special gathering and you came in as others came in. And you were born again and praise the Lord for that. But somebody here probably today, 
had one person come to you. And the Lord used that person and you were hooked. And you came to the Lord by yourself, if you will, because God came looking for you. And I want to tell you that these are good methods. And these are ways that the Lord ministers to people. And and the Lord knows exactly what you need. Which is why some of you are here today. Because God knows how to reach people. And he fishes for them. And he loves them. And he pursues them. So we're looking at this this method that the Lord God used. And I will tell you that uh, Peter would come to know all about the hook method. Because Jesus pursued Peter individually. He had most likely heard about Jesus through the preaching and the ministry of John the Baptist. You see, Peter had a brother named Andrew. And Andrew was a follower of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And he was talking about Jesus. And when he saw Jesus, he identified there's the Lamb of God who takes away this this whole world. Andrew was a disciple, a follower of John the Baptist, who was his teacher. And Andrew, by the way, would come to know the Lord. And he would come to introduce Peter to the Lord. But it was for Peter that the Lord ministered. To him, After meeting Jesus personally, Andrew goes to get his brother. Let me read to you about it in John chapter 1. In verse 35, the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you'll see. So they went and they saw where he was staying, spent the day with him. It was about a tenth hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now listen to this. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, and you you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. You see, in that meeting, Jesus revealed some things that Simon had no idea. Peter had no idea uh, that this was true of Jesus. Jesus revealed the fact that he already knew who Simon was. He knew him. He knew his name because he is the Lord of glory. Can I remind you that he knows you? Peter also discovered here and, and, and through his encounters with Jesus that Jesus not only knew him, but that he had a design for his life, a plan. And if I can camp just for, again for one more time and stop just for a second and look at all of you and tell you, I don't care who you are. Jesus knows your name. I don't care who you are. He knows you perfectly. And no matter who is here, you need to know that he has a plan for your life. He has a design. He has something that he wants to do with you. And some of you may be sitting here and saying, I couldn't imagine what that would be. Well, probably not. <laughs> you probably have no idea. And maybe if he told you, you'd go running. I don't know. But on that day, he looked at Peter and he says, I know who you are. And I'm going to give you a name. The name Cephas. You will be Peter. Later, he would be known as Peter the Rock. And the Lord had a plan. He had, his, uh, he had something planned for Peter if Peter would simply be hooked. 
You see, Jesus, throughout Peter's early days of knowing him, was aware of his needs. And just uh, a chapter before the one we read in Luke chapter 4, Jesus healed the mother-in-law of Peter, went into his home, and he healed his mother-in-law. The point is, Jesus pursued Peter on his turf, and he kept ministering to him. Jesus was the son of a carpenter, but he spoke fishing to a fisherman named Peter. And by the way, when Jesus ran into Peter, trust me, Peter was rough around the edges. I'm saying it in a nice way. He was a fisherman. And let me tell you, watermen are kind of rough. They're weathered by the weather and they're weathered by one another. And they don't say nice things. If you ever, uh, you know, have a propensity to do so and you can get past all the beeping that goes on in the show and some of the mean things that they do to one another, it's interesting to watch these fishing shows like Deadliest Catch. And you see how tough they are on one another. Oh, you broke your hand? Get out there. You have a good one. I mean, they're like that with each other. And Peter was that, man. He was this rough and tumble guy. He wasn't some gentle little, you know, sissy guy. He was, he was a man's man. And the Lord had a purpose for him. And Jesus knew how to speak to Peter. And he spoke several times to Peter about the same thing. He kept saying to Peter, follow me. You see, most theologians agree that the stories of Jesus calling his disciples represent multiple times that he said things to them because they vary a little. And and he would say, follow me. And he did that more than once. I'm pretty convinced that that is absolutely true. And there were multiple occasions when he said to his disciples, I want you to follow me. And then they finally did. They left everything in Luke chapter five. They left the boats behind, the business behind. They began to follow Jesus. What happened? Peter was hooked. By the Lord's pursuit of him, one man at a time. Simon answered in in uh, the passage of Scripture here. Um, well, let me, before I share that, just say this. Through a building relationship with Jesus, Peter was able to develop a trust that this was no ordinary person. That what Andrew said about him when he introduced him was true. That Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 5, Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let those nets down. Now, again, can I just remind you, and I'll get to this, the rest of the story in a second. But can I remind you that Peter had worked very hard all night fishing. And it wasn't easy work, throwing, getting those nets in the water and, and getting them in position and then drawing them and then bringing them back aboard and then moving and doing it over and over repeatedly. Those nets are heavy. He had also stayed up all night. They had washed their nets. They had cleaned them. They had mended them. They had prepared them for the next fishing trip. And they're out there, and Jesus has, he preaches, and he catches Peter off guard, so go out to the deep water. Now let your nets down for a catch. And, and it didn't make sense. That's what Peter said. Lord, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. Here's what I'm pretty convinced of. I'm pretty convinced of the fact that when Jesus took him to a spot to the deeper water, when Peter got out there, it was the exact same spot they had fished before. And there were no fish there and Peter knew it. And Jesus said, let your nets down because you're about to. I'm going to blow your mind, Peter. Let your nets down, not for so you can try to catch. Let your nets down for the catch. 
Because Jesus knew where the fish were and Peter didn't understand that. But he was beginning to understand that there was something about Jesus who was an extraordinary, more than just a human being. This was the son of God. And when Peter would see the power of Jesus, he got overwhelmed. His mind got blown and it confirmed in his heart. This is the Messiah. And in verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell, fell at Jesus' knees and he said, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Not because he didn't like Jesus. Not because he thought Jesus. Jesus didn't have any business around him except for the fact that he felt unworthy to be in the presence of such a wonderful, powerful man as Jesus Christ. You see, Peter knew who he was and he was beginning to learn who Jesus was. And in this verse, he called him the right thing. He called him Lord. When Jesus again revealed to Peter that he had a purpose for him, when the Lord did not go away in disgust and Peter was hooked. By this one Jesus who pursued him and it changed his life and he began to follow in earnest. May I ask you to do something today if you are a born again Christian and we have several of you in this room. There are several of you in this room who are hooked. Jesus has gotten your heart and he has won you. You have become convinced of what Peter became of, convinced of. This is the son of God. And I love him. And you have begun to follow him. I'm asking you to remember the moment when it happened in your life. Can you go to that moment? And can you think about the moment when he hooked you? Whether you were caught up in a net and many people came in or you were by yourself, but you remember that moment as if you were by yourself. Don't you? I remember it. I remember the spot where I was when Jesus captured me. It changed everything. Everything changed, right? Your outlook changed. Everything about your life took a brand new turn. You weren't the same after that encounter, were you? Once you're hooked, you'll never be the same. No matter what you do, you're never the same. And for Peter, that was his turnaround moment. That was the moment he was hooked. In that boat, when he was at the knees of Jesus, and Jesus didn't turn away in disgust. Jesus didn't say, I know you're a sinful, rotten mess, and I'm throwing you overboard. Nothing like that happened. Instead, he looks at Peter. He says, don't be afraid, Peter. I have a brand new life for you. You won't be a fisherman anymore, buddy. You're going to fish for people. I have a new life for you. I have something brand new. Now, can you do this? Born-again Christians, again, who are hooked. Could you imagine your life without him? Can you just try to think a little bit about the path you were on, the road you were going down, the way your life was taking you? And could you please for a moment just think about the, what, what would be happening to you if you were never hooked, if you were never caught, if you were never drawn in? How would your life be? What would it look like? I can tell you, some of us... And I'm not just talking about here physically in this room, but some of us wouldn't be in this world. Amen. He saved your life. Some of us would be in jail. Horrible things would be happening to us. Because that's the life of someone who doesn't know Christ. It's destructive. Because we in and of our own strength have no way of keeping ourselves from hurting ourselves. 
It's how it is. So if I may be so bold, I sometimes have to wonder what it will take for some of us who have been so reluctant to follow Jesus earnestly to finally do it. What will it take? What will it take for us to be hooked? Many of us know that Jesus is the Messiah and still we don't earnestly follow him. Let me move on to the call. You see, there was a call in this story. So what was the Lord's purpose for Peter? It's simple. He wanted Jesus, uh, Peter to go from catching fish to catch men. He would be catching people. And Jesus had just demonstrated two of the methods, teaching a large crowd and drawing a net and focusing and then focusing on one person, if you will, the rod and reel method and bringing them in, hooking them, bringing them in one at a time. The Lord looked at Peter and told him, this is what you're going to be doing, Peter. You're going to be bringing people to me from now on. Those are the words he said to Peter from this moment on. Now that you're hooked from now on. What you will do for me is you will bring people to me. I will help you to catch men. And what a change it brought into Peter's life. And just just so that we can jump forward. Peter understood the net method pretty well. Because it was Peter who stood in front of 3,000. Well, more than 3,000 people. He stood in front of a huge crowd on the day of Pentecost. And he preached his first public sermon. And 3,000 of them came in. And we're born again. Oh, Peter knew how to talk to the crowds. But Peter also ministered to people one on one. And Peter became a fisher of people. And the purpose he found in that was so much greater than a few bucks for catching fish. It changed everything for Peter. And that was the call on Peter's life. And Jesus was saying that in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. There's another account of Jesus calling Peter. And here they are in verse 18 and 19. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. My point is this. Jesus caught Peter to call him. Let me say that again. Jesus hooked Peter so that he could call him. And he does the same to you. And he does the same for me. I said a little earlier that the Lord has a purpose for you. A noble, wonderful, powerful purpose. Every one of us, God wants to do something with our lives every one of us he has a purpose for us and the call is there church i need to remind you we have the same mandate as peter had we are called to 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 fish for people and help them become followers of jesus christ it is the priority uh, in many regards to what we do as a group, as an organization, we are to catch people and make followers of Jesus out of them. So what I also would like you to see is that the call of, that Jesus uh, was uh, given to Peter was accompanied by great power. Let's go back together into Peter's boat. 
It's anchored just a few yards from the shore. And Peter sits there captivated as Jesus is teaching the crowd. And he's not missing any of the words. Peter's drinking in the teaching of the Lord because nobody taught in the way that Jesus taught. It was powerful. He sat there, and as Jesus wraps up, he shocks Peter a little bit. He turns to him and he says, look, I want you to go out into deeper water. And then he took him out to the deeper water, and that's when Jesus told him, let your nets down for a catch. It's not a suggestion. It's a command of the Lord. And it surprises Peter, and it doesn't make any sense. You see, He fished all night, again, probably right in that very same spot. He caught nothing. The nets were ready for the next fishing trip, not this little impromptu in the middle of the day, a wrong time to fish, time fishing trip that Jesus has time. He didn't want to put those nets down except for the fact that Jesus told him to do it. It didn't make sense. But I need you to see something in these verses. Jesus did not tell Peter to put the nets down to try to get a catch. He said, put them down for the catch. He knew what was there. And the power of the Lord was present. No, it didn't make any sense. Peter, do what doesn't make sense. I know you already washed your nets. I know that all your partners are, are gone and they're, they're headed to, they're trying to sleep. I know that it's toward the middle of the day. It's not, it's not the right time to fish, but put your nets down, Peter. It sounds a little bit like what happens in a lot of churches. We've already spoken to that person. I already, Lord, tried to tell that person about you and, and they didn't listen. I, I don't think it's the right time. I, I don't know that I had the ability to, to tell people about you. It just doesn't seem to work. I might offend them. I might drive them far away. I better not try again. I better just keep my nets nice and close and nice and organized in the boat. I better keep my rod and reel pristine for the golden opportunity. And so we as individuals and sometimes churches can be caught up in here sometimes churches can look at their buildings and they their buildings become so important to them that they're afraid to throw their nets out i know churches that don't want youth or children in certain areas of their building because it's too nice and i say come on they're tools the Lord would say, no, no, get your nets in the water. That's when the, that's where the fish are. You can't just sit with your nets all mended and, and, and say, okay, we're a beautiful church and we have our building and it's, we're paying for it and we have our holy little huddle and we're having a good time together. No, Jesus would say, get your nets in the water. Go fishing. And he would say that to you and I. He would say, you want to have a life of purpose? You want to have a life that matters? You want to have a life that that has an effect in this world? Then go fishing. Because that's the call on our lives. And I don't want you to miss this. The power of the Lord was in the boat because the Lord was there with Peter. And what made the difference was the Lord knows how to call people. The Lord knows how to call fish. He knows how to make it happen. I'm just going to remind you that not one of us is holy enough to save one person. Do we understand that? It's Jesus who does the saving. He just uses us like hooks. He just uses us as his instrument. You're the rod and the reel. You're not the, the, you're not anything but that. You're a tool in the hands of the Lord. But the purpose to be in the hands of God and to be used to bring people to Jesus is an amazing thing. Folks, this church is his net. 
And we've got to be about corporately, cooperatively, getting our nets in the water and bringing people to Jesus. It's got to be about that. Peter seems a little embarrassed as a fisherman. His expectations are really, really low. His experience is is telling him there's no fish to be caught here. And Jesus is a carpenter's son. What's he? Why is he telling me to put a net down? I'm fished all night. What's he talking about? Get your nets in the water, Peter. What you think doesn't make sense is about to blow your mind, Peter, because I can do anything. And so Peter does this because, Lord, you say so. Now, again, all night, without... Um, Without any luck, using all of his skill and experience on the water, he caught no fish. No fish. But this time, Jesus was in the boat. And in his power, all the fish were there. They nearly sunk two boats and ruined their nets trying to get all the fish. And then Jesus looks at Peter and says, don't be afraid. I have something new for you. And I have a purpose. And here's what he's trying to say to Peter. Peter if you'll just fish, I'm going to blow your mind. What do you think it felt like for Peter today at Pentecost when he stood there and he preached to that massive crowd and 3,000 people accepted Jesus Christ? I love Billy Graham. I respect Billy Graham. He's, he's an excellent net caster, wonderful fisherman. But let me tell you, the first Billy Graham was Peter. First crusade ever done was the day of Pentecost. It was impromptu and there wasn't a whole lot of advertising about it. Just a strange noise in the city that had drawn them in. But all the power of the preached word. I'm convinced that too many churches are afraid to put their nets into the water. And I'm convinced that when we do, Jesus is willing and will blow our minds I'm convinced that when we fish, Jesus will give us results. When we do what we're supposed to do. So, you know, if I have my way, most of what we do here are going to be about two things. Catching people and then teaching them how to know Jesus. I I need to say some things to you and so that you know where you are and and what kind of leader I am. And this is just the way it is. Not everything that we do around here is going to be for the Christians. In fact, a lot of what we do around here, I hope, is for people who have not yet been caught. And so the music might not always work for you or something else might not work for you. But a lot of the stuff that we do, I want to aim at trying to bring people to Jesus Christ and then teach them how to know the Lord. Let me say this to you, Christian If you know the Lord and you're hooked and you're following Jesus, you'll grow if you obey him. I know a lot of people who say, I'm just not fed. I go to church and I'm not fed and I love you. I want you to know I really love you. And we will certainly try to have Bible studies and classes and things that are geared to help you grow in the Lord. But the primary responsibility for you to eat is yours. You have the word of God. Read it. You have opportunity to study the word of God. I can set it in front of you, but it's sort of like what we used to do when we had, you know, kids who refused to eat their broccoli. I can make it any kind of way I want to and even put cheese sauce on it. And there are some kids who won't eat broccoli. 
Now, I'm not saying the word of God is like broccoli. I'm just saying that what we do is we have an opportunity to nourish ourselves and to grow. You're a Christian. You should know how to pray. You should know how to to read the Bible. If you don't, I want to help you. I want to teach you how to do that so that you do. But growing is my responsibility personally. And growing is your responsibility. We're going to have things to help you with that. But I will tell you that this church is going to be about fishing. Because there are people who need Jesus. Why is this so important to you, Pastor Ken? Why was it so important to Jesus? Why didn't Jesus say to Peter and some others, here's your purpose in life. You're going to teach Christians how to be better Christians. You'll never see that in Scripture. Here's what he said. You're going to catch people for me. And the reason is is simple. It's because people need to be saved. Remember, I asked you to think about what would happen. Where would your life be if you were never hooked? What direction were you going in? I can tell you, you were going to hell. You were without Christ. You were going to hell. That's what the scripture teaches us. The reason why this is so important is because Jesus saves. Amen. He's mighty to save. And saving is what people need. I need it to be saved by the Lord. I need my soul to be rescued. And that's why it's so important. Individually, we are called to break out our rods. It's a call. Break the rods and reels out, if you will. Focus on one. Every Christian in this room has an oikos. O-I-K-O-S. It's not just yogurt. Oikos is a Greek word in the Bible that um, roughly means your community or your sphere of influence. In the scriptures, it meant family and servants and people you worked around and you lived around. Oikos. And here's an oikos for you. It's those 8 to 15 people in your life that God has deliberately put in your life. So that you fish them. And you have influence over them that a preacher can't have. Are you hearing me? It's the people you live with sometimes who are lost and don't know Jesus. It's the people you work around all the time. They see you so much they think they're married to you. It's the people, it's the people you rub elbows with. It's people in your own family. It's, it, it's a group of people that you have influence over. And I believe with all of my heart that the Lord builds an oikos around me. And I need to work my oikos. Darlene and I are going through a unique little thing here. Um, it's just, I'll make a very long story short. Darlene and I are in a transition of housing right now. And so it became necessary for us to find uh, a new living situation. And where we live currently, we rent. Um, it's a lot of fun. They'll be there. It's right on the river. It's down a lane that's over, I don't know how long, about a quarter of a mile long. And there's only a couple of neighbors that live in this neighborhood because nobody's around you. We're right on the river. And um, I talk to the neighbors that are around me a little bit. And some of them, I'm convinced, got a house where they got it so that people would leave them alone. So when I talk to them, they kind of like, don't talk to me. Sort of, that's the attitude. That's the vibe I get. They're not real open to my friendly little nature. You know, when I'm walking up the lane, sometimes we've had dogs charge us like, and nobody really saying, oh, don't bite them. You know, it's that kind of neighborhood, right? So, so I got thinking about this, you know, Lord, you know, I thought we were going to buy here. It didn't work out that way. And so now we, Darlene and I put an offer in a, on a house and we, if God is willing, we'll settle on this house on May 18th. And we're excited. It's now this house is in a neighborhood and there are people everywhere. 
And I'm, I was wondering, Lord, are you shifting my oikos a little bit? Are you putting me in this neighborhood so that Darlene and I can influence people for you and go fishing here? Here's my point. We have a call. And we are to fish. We're not just supposed to live our lives in a holy little huddle and, or a little bubble of our own. God put a call on your life. If you belong to him, he's hooked you. He's put a rod in your hand and say, now go fish. And there'll be some of us with nets and some of us with both. And that's just where we are. That's what we are called to do. And so you have your oikos and you have that influence and you're called to fish that oikos. So what's the catch? Now, this time by catch, I mean, what's the cost? Because there's a cost, isn't there? You see, we have to be clear about what Jesus wants to do with our lives. This is not for the half-hearted. This is not for us to say, Lord, I'll give you this much of me and that's all. Nope. You're either hooked or you ain't. Now, I, don't, I know that's terrible grammar. You're either all in or you're not in at all. You're either on board or you're not on board. So he wants us lock, stock, and barrel, and he wants us to be all in. So they pulled their nets up on the shore, and they left everything. And they followed him. In Luke nine twenty three. then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily, and they must follow me. A person who is hooked by Jesus is transformed. And what they were, they will never be again because Jesus has them. Peter was never supposed to, and I'm just going to jump ahead of myself and spoil a little bit of my message next week. Peter was never supposed to go back to fishing for fish. Just thought I'd tell you that. That wasn't his calling. We're not being called or not calling people into a behavior modification program. This is not that. This is transformation. And this is the power of God. And this is what God wants to do. There's no magical or charmed way of living and being a Christian. You're still a human being. But what has changed for you is God has his hook in you. And he's transforming you and he calls you to use you and to do some things. But the catch is it costs all we are. We have to let it go. We have to abandon our old selves and pursue the new that God has for us. Philippians chapter 3, you know this. Verses 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. A bit earlier, I spoke about the fact that Jesus knew Peter before Peter knew him. Jesus knew his name. And he already had a plan and a purpose for him. And he hooked him. Are you hooked? Have you been captured by the Lord? Has he captured your heart? Are you ready, if not, to be hooked today by his power? Are you ready for the Lord to just capture you? And if you are hooked, how's the fishing been lately? You see, I think there's a lot of fishing to do in our little spot of the world right here in Northampton, don't you? I think there's a lot of people who desperately need to know that there's a God in heaven who loves them, values them, wants to make them his. And I think God wants to use you and I. I don't think this church is supposed to just exist to be a club. 
I think we are supposed to be a tackle shop. (laughs) And I want to give you a license today. And I want you to take what you are and what you have and offer it up to God. Listen. God will use you and he, I I promise you, this is going to sound weird and it's going to not make sense. But again, Jesus didn't always, didn't always make sense to his disciples either. What Jesus really wants to do here and what he really wants to do with you is blow your mind with the impossible. Wednesday night, I get on Facebook. Well, no, that's, that's not quite correct. I got a text from Pastor Michelle. Pastor Michelle Newton is our children's uh, pastor here. She does it volunteer. We can't afford to pay anybody but me and um, a little tiny stipend to Betsy. But So we just aren't in a place where we can pay staff members. But Michelle is working her way toward her ordination. And that said, um, I received a text from her Wednesday night, and she was beside herself in joy. And you want to know why? Because every night on a Wednesday night, Pastor Michelle leads a team of volunteers, and there are several of you in here, who comes in here and you meet with children and you teach them about the Word of God. And Wednesday night, a little boy named Austin was hooked. And the Lord saved him. Can I say that to you again? That little boy, had he lived his life through and not met Jesus, was hellbound. But the Lord hooked him. And he's become a brand new person. And Michelle, with tears, was posting on Facebook about the good thing that God has done. Why is that so important? Why does that do so much for, to Michelle? It's because Michelle, uh, she's like me and likes anybody else who does any fishing. You know it's not you. All you do is put the nets in. All you do is throw the line out. That's all we do. But it's amazing when Jesus gives us one. That's amazing. And I've had those experiences. And I, I, won't, I won't go long here, but I've had a few occasions when I've left the house after winning somebody to Christ. And I've shouted at the top of my lungs as I'm driving and saying, there, devil. <laughs> Take that, you know, (laughs) because there's one you didn't kill. There's one you didn't destroy. There's one that Jesus captured. To be part of that is the most amazing thing. Church, I want us to be about it. I want us to be about helping people know who Jesus is. Are you hooked? Have you met him? Are you following him earnestly? And how's the fishing? There may be some of you who may may need to just say, okay, God, I'm just going to make myself available. I'm going to see if you blow my mind. I'm going I'm to get my tackle out. I'm going to try to work my oikos and bring people to Christ. Bowing your heads, closing your eyes, and nobody looking around for just a moment. I'm, I'm asking you to honor each other's privacy. Is there someone here today to say, Pastor Ken, today... I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. I want him. I want to be his follower. And I'm accepting Christ as my Lord and Savior. As I lift my hand, I pray for the Lord to forgive my sins and take me in and make me his. Praise the Lord. Any others? Amen. Any others?
All right, are there any Christians here who would say, you know what, my tackle's a little rusty, Pastor Ken, I haven't had it out. But I just want to go on record and say, Lord, I'm making myself available. I want to fish people. I want to win people for Christ. You'll slip your hand up in the air to indicate to the Lord, God, please use me. Please help me to fish. Please, I want to be used by you to bring people to you. Oh, God, I make myself available. Many hands going up. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Many more going up. God, I'm just making myself available to you. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this one who has accepted you this very day. We'll light a candle next week because of that. And we thank you. We praise you, Lord, that you are such a great God and that you capture our hearts and hook us. Lord, let transformation happen in us who are believers that we would be adamantly fishing for lost souls. God, help us to care and to pray and to work on it. And I pray especially... Uh, that you would give our church, grant us, Lord, your favor, that you'll blow our minds by how many people come to Christ and become followers of yours through our ministry. Thank you for your love and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.